What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast, the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus for and by queer folks of color. I am Money, the Fleetwood Mac fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're only about 30-something years too late. Whatever. I, I, I'm i here is what matters, okay? You're right. Okay. Better to be tardy than absent. Fair enough. Touche. And I am Nikita. And I am now a qualified scaffold erector. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I had class this week for my apprenticeship, and I passed my scaffold builder test. And, you know, scaffolding is just when, you know, in order to get to work in a high place, you have to build, you know. Levels. Yeah, levels. So There's you levels to this You shit. on a new level, should we say? Okay. <laughs> Congratulations, Nikita. I'm so proud of you. Thank you, boo. Mm-hmm. All right, let's drop the intro for the first time in 2020. Mm-hmm. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. You love. You love. All right, Nikita. So you wanna just jump right in and tell folks where they can find us? Yes. You all can find us on all the social meds. We're, we are on Twitter and Instagram at QueerWalkPOD. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash QueerWOCPOD. You can also find us on Tumblr, where it all began, which is QueerWalk.com. And how can folks listen? There are a number of ways they can listen to this illustrious, insurgent, bi-weekly audio syllabus. They are Pocket Cast, CastBox, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and other major platforms where you can listen to podcasts except for Spotify. (laughs) 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 All right, Money. Mm -hmm. You and I are the co-hosts of this program. Indeed. But... It's not just about you and I, right? There's a broader community. Yes. So how can Queer Walk listeners participate and contribute to the broader Queer Walk community? I'm uh, glad you tasked me with this. Oh, tasked? Okay, bitch. Okay. (laughs) I've been holding this down. (laughs) Um, So you can contribute to Queer Walk in one of two ways. The first way is by loving us out loud and doing the R's. Uh, this is a way that costs free 99 to you. So it's probably your favorite. 
You can rate us on whatever platform you listen. Uh, review us. Leave a review. Um, repost the episodes when we when we upload. Uh, retweet us when we're you know getting more active on the Twitter streets. And reply. You can also request a topic or a queer walk of the week to be highlighted. You can also use that hashtag queer WOC or hashtag queer WOC POD to talk all things the podcast to also suggest topics and queer walks of the week or queer pox of the week. The second way you can contribute to this here uh, community is by giving us your money. You can do that one of two ways. The first way is Cash App. That is a um, one time as much or as little as you can donate at dollar sign Queer Walk Pod, P-O-D. And the second way is how you become a sustainer of the program. Sustainer. <laughs> it's a monthly donation. Uh, and you can, again, we have some suggestions there, but you can give us as much or as little as you can afford. You can edit it. You can delete it a couple months if you can't. And then jump right back when that refund check hit at patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D. All righty. Oh, Nikita, and then in more lengthy. Oh, God, I was just about to say. <laughs> and, you know, for, you know, the introverts, among us or the long-winded among (laughs) us who can't be contained by 280 characters you can send us something a little bit more personal something with some girth something a little bit more private are you are you still talking about emails so now quick has an OnlyFans. no i'm kidding (laughs) 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 no i'm saying you can send us an email our gmail which is queerwalkpod at gmail.com <laughs> you know i've been trying to find a place where i could do a butch striptease and maybe only fans is the way she really is she keeps talking about it every time there's a gathering she's like can i do my butch striptease she suggested it for the upstate escape yeah. y'all can thank me for not having to experience or that. or give her a good tongue thrashing because i deserve to do that striptease and i deserve a good tongue thrashing <laughs> okay right. and we can okay we, <laughs> this is getting out of hand yes we've, we've been gone too long been Ben. No, no. No, right. Damn. Rapist. Damn. Damn it. We can't have ben anything. ruin everything. <laughs> ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> no mystical here. <laughs> All right, Nikita. What a treasured honor to this person who will be our first Quirwak, Quirwak, Quirwak. Of, of the, the week. week of 2020. Yeah. 2020. I'm just going to call it that. <laughs> well, I guess if I had 2019, we can do... 2020. 2020. <laughs> it doesn't feel good in my mouth, but I, I was, guess we could get there. I was about to say. That's what she's never said. <laughs> oh, that's just filthy money. Come on. You know I'm too coquettish. All right. So... The inaugural Queer Walk of the Week for 2020 is none other than Nikesha Newton. Who is Nikesha Newton? So, Nikesha is a black lesbian chef who makes gourmet meals. Vegan meals. Gourmet vegan meals and delivers them to sex workers in Portland. Yes! 
Oh, and she's she's so cute with these cute red glasses. Yes. I I love the logo. Yeah, this is so cute. Nikisha has um it's like a business called get this Meals for Heels. <laughs> <laughs> So it was originally called Meals for Six Inch Heels, but you know she cut it down. I think Meals for Six Heels. Six Inch Heels. <laughs> <laughs> she walked in the kitchen like nobody. What's that? Is. What's that Trina song? Long hill, red, red bottom, bottom, long hill. <laughs> step, step. <laughs> anyway, so so. She delivers these healthy meals to sex workers in Portland on the weekend. So Friday nights and Saturday nights from 9 p.m. till 2. So she takes orders through uh, social media using like Instagram and Twitter. And so she uses a kitchen. It's like a commercial kitchen that's Mm -hmm. like not too far away from her. And um, she said it was really interesting is one of the things that she said is that the hardest thing about doing all of this. Like, of course, she first... She went to there's like a community organization, um, Meso. It's like a it's like a nonprofit in the area that helps people um, to like run their own businesses. And so she was like, I was nervous because I didn't know how to I didn't know anything about running a business. So mm-hmm. so she said that like she was surprised that that was the first like that was the main obstacle because she was like when she went in there she was like you know these people are gonna be judgmental they're gonna be yeah. awful you know because there's the stigma around sex work and so she said nope they were really helpful and so anything that she needed you know she learned from in in terms of the business since she learned from this um organization so she says like she hasn't really faced much um again negativity or obstacles around right. that kind of thing and she says that she's received like 100 percent positive um feedback and something that she says that I really appreciate is like, um, she says, I hope it puts a positive spin on sex work and empowered women and that I can be a positive black gay role model. I love that. And it's like, cause you know, everybody's like, you know, you gotta be a doctor, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's like, she's providing good, yeah. like good food for like, for workers. Yeah. You know, they just and happen it, to be sex workers. Right. And it's also, um, I'm thinking about when people are like, how can you support sex workers? It's like. This is a really innovative way to do it. Absolutely. Um, Like, one thing earlier when you had, like, pulled up her story where they highlighted her, um, like, it said that she just noticed in going to strip clubs, like, how limited the food options were, especially for the girls who are working, the folks who are working. So, she was like, oh... I can do this. I can get. I can get y'all some food. That ain't no problem. Right. Oh, that ain't no problem. <laughs> and so, uh, there's two two uh, last things that I think are really great. So, like, people have like reached out to her, and they're like, "How can we?" Like, other sex workers have been like, "How can we get this? Like, this amazing like resource that you're doing in, in other our places?" City, yeah. Yeah. So. There's people in like Minneapolis, Seattle, and Las Vegas who want to bring Meals for Hills like, to their areas. And you know how we feel about worker-owned cooperatives here. So one of the things that um, Nikisha Newton wants to do is that her long-term goal is to turn the new models, like the new Meals for Heal Meals for Heels branches, into like worker-owned co-ops that are run by the sex workers themselves. And she says, when you're invested, when you're more invested, you're part of something, like, the more you care about yeah. it. And so I'm like, that's just so great. That's dope. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. What a great way to start off 2020. Absolutely. So. Wow. Shout out to um, Nikisha. Yes. For Thank doing you. such amazing and important uh, work. Uh, I 
could I could so easily I remember we had this question a while ago about like queer futures and yeah. what oh yeah I, I, oh I can't wait till this is in like um all the cities that are known for like the strip club yeah. the strip club culture exactly like, exactly all right, y'all. We're going to move it on along to community contributors. Yeah. And I think that is fitting <laughs> because we are in the 20s. The 20s. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll allow it. All right. I have a lot to say in this community contrib- in this community contributors segment. So I'm going to try to keep it, you know. But it's, it's my favorite segment. And folks have been doing a lot lately, specifically to support me. Um, but also to support the podcast. Yes. So, okay. So, first, I would love to shout out the new patrons that we've had since the last episode in December. Thank y'all for still coming through. Yeah. Like, even in our times off where we, like, aren't dropping new content, y'all are still supporting us. Absolutely. And running those numbers up on them old episodes. So, thank y'all so much. And also contributing. So, shout out to Jesse, another Candace. Um, Damn. <laughs> what's, what's going on with the I Candace click? I don't know. Um, <laughs> there was like a Candace sen- s- like uh, signal sent out. Yeah. And all the Candaces just gang ganged up and became patrons. Uh, Adonai, Sharon, and Stephanie for becoming new patrons. Thank y'all so Thank much. Thank y'all so, so much. We really, like, we really, really appreciate it. We do. You know what I mean? Truly. I would like to give like a list of folks who um, have contributed monetarily to it being possible for me to bring my mom to my defense in March. Because I got a date. I will be defending. Montanique's got a dissertation defense (laughs) date? Yes. What? what? Um, I'll be defending my dissertation on March 6th. This is like my first public uh, announcing of that. Should I say like a little bit of what that means? Yes, please. Please. Um. I, okay, all right. I I think in in this whole thing, I've just been, like, realizing how much, like, you don't know until you're doing it in PhD programs, and that's, like, really fucked up. (laughs) And so, I remember once somebody was like, oh, you're a first-generation PhD, and it had never occurred to me that people weren't first-generation PhDs, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, you know, your parents have PhDs and shit, and it... You know, uh, like all the long histories of stuff that have excluded people out of spaces, but um, have also kind of like muddied and obscured what it looks like to get a PhD. You know, academia is fucked up. So it looks it, like they basically whoever the faculty is in your program gets to determine what your process looks like. Right. But basically, um, the the big framework is you have X amount of classes you have to take like coursework, just like in undergrad. And then you have um, X amount of writing you have to do, which for me was the dissertation. Um, Sometimes people have like practice to do whatever. Like I also had to do a thousand hours of clinical work. Um, And then, then after I I finished writing my dissertation, did my whole ass study and all of that stuff, which I've been struggling through these past couple years on mic. My advisor says, okay, I think this is good enough to defend to your faculty panel, which is five faculty members who read your dissertation and ask you, but why did you do that? (laughs) 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 Um, um, And they're supposed to only ask you that for 15 minutes. 
I mean, it doesn't always go that way. That's why you got to make sure you have a really good relationship with folks on your committee. Committee, sure. And particularly your chair, because your chair is supposed to be the person who's like, uh-uh, you out of line. Right, like, right, right. Out of order. You should have brought that up nine months ago when she was in the middle of the research stuff. Yeah. So that's what I will be doing on March 6th. I'll be basically like, I have 15 minutes to, to state my whole ass dissertation. Um, and then they have 15 minutes to ask me questions. Then they send everybody out the room. They deliberate. And then they bring everybody back in. And either I passed with distinction, I passed, just passed. Um, and then, or I passed with revisions, which is what most people pass with. Because, you know, academics got their egos and they want to say that they had a say in your dissertation. You pass with major revisions, which is like passing with a C. Mm-hmm. Um, or you fail. So those are the outcomes that you can have. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, and so I'm aiming for, you know, uh, passing with minor revisions. Yeah. Actually, my goal is hashtag no revisions. Yes. Um, and I mean, distinction would be great. Uh, but you just, we'll, just want to be done with this I shit. just want to be fucking done. Yeah. Just give me, give me my degree. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, and so I think, yeah. I told you I had a lot to say. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep it short. No. So I've just been going through a lot lately. Yeah. Um, I have not been okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Nikita and Jaffe and Sherry um, and Nadia are specific shout outs that I want to give to yesterday Aww. because I was just, I was like pretty bad yesterday. Yeah. Um, thank you, Nikita. Of for course. We had a swell time watching mm-hmm. Doomsday Preppers. <laughs> Stocked up like the Doomsday Preppers. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> It is a Beyonce-approved show, okay? <laughs> um, and also just, like, the pathology of whiteness. That's Absolutely. just so fascinating. White men, white oh. conservative men are just a I mean, mess. the couponing women and the doomsday prepping dudes would be, like, perfect. A match made in hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, so, like, part of me going through it that uh, is just too much to get into in the community contributors I don't have any money because uh, I quit one of my three jobs. <laughs> and um, I really, really wanted my mom to be at my defense, uh, even a little bit more so than the graduation, because I just need her to know, like, this is what I've done. Like, um, this is why I've been gone for so long. This is why I'm a mess all the time. I just need her to see, like, what I've been doing. Yeah. It's different to, like, talk about it than for her to be in the room. With these, like, faculty that I've had to, like, work with and survive yeah. for, like, the past five Absolutely. years. Um, and I really just want her to be there. And I didn't get my W-2s in time to, like, you know, whatever, whatever. All yeah. that stuff. And so, I, I was just tweeting about it because I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Um, And nobody ever responds to my tweet. So, it was, like, really... Not true, I, but go ahead. Okay. Um, But... Uh, folks started responding like, oh, we'll help you yeah. get your mama to your defense. Like, she needs to be there. She has to see this. Yeah. Um. And so after I got super emotional, I coordinated with my baby sis. Shout out to Nunu. And I, I, sent, I just posted my Venmo like, hey, yeah. any little bit will help. Thank you. And so many people came through. So huge shout out to Dr. Sammy. I was about to say, yeah, um, Sammy Shock. <laughs> Dr. Sammy was like, she pushed me. To be to like do this, yeah, she was like, yeah. "You have you can't do life alone, and you have yeah, to let people yeah. support you," um, which is like hard for me because I just 
I just feel like I have to do everything by myself. Mm-hmm. But I don't. Community. <laughs> uh, so I want to give a shout out again to Dr. Sammy Shock. Thank you. Um, Dr. G, I really don't want to like say your name wrong. But um, <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. G in Canada. Sarah, who came through on the Venmo. Kaya Lynn. I hope I said that right. Dow. Dow, what's up, Dow? Dow holding me down. Uh, Megan, Nadia, again, thank you. Noel, Yantra, who again is a consistent supporter. Thank you so much, Yantra. Rebecca, Jasmine, Rosa, shout out to Rosa, also um, surviving Syracuse, and Christina. So, thank you all for, like, coming through. Every little bit helps, like, truly. Like, yeah, y'all is just a part of, like, making this possible. Yeah. Um, so, yes, thank you, everybody, who has donated so far. I'm, like, super close to what I need to cover it. So, just thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't thank y'all enough. If you don't stop being coquettish and tell these people your Venmo name right now, so like she said, she's going to sit up here and be coquettish, but I'm, I'm not. not going to be coquettish. So tell the people your Venmo so they can get you over that last little stretch to make sure that Sharon, another Queer Walk listener, <laughs> long-time listener, long-time fan of the show, can be here for your defense. And when I told my mom about this, she was like, they're going to make me cry. And my mom is a cancer, but she's also a gangster. So like... <laughs> That it just like just hearing her say that she was gonna cry, even though she didn't. Um, <laughs> like it meant it meant a lot. Yeah. So I I mean this is so meaningful to me. Um, but it's also I just need y'all to know how meaningful it is to my mom because uh like she she just like pushed me so much to do this education shit. But I don't think she really like like knew how much it would separate us and like her not be able to be there physically and for a lot of these things. So um, yeah, thanks y'all. And the Venmo is at Better Than Money, just like all my social media. Thank you. B-E-T-T-A-T-H-A-N. Cha-ching. M-O-N-E-Y. Yeah. Woo! That was uncomfortable. Okay. (laughs) Was it uncomfortable? uh, You know what? I'm in a really rough place right now. But you know what, though? I think that this is important because I think that you're modeling something for the rest of the community. Because I think, and, I, and I'm saying this to you as much as I'm saying it to myself, as much as I'm saying it to the rest of the community. Black women in particular, but I think women more broadly and women of color also mm-hmm. have a really hard time asking for help in the times when we need it the most. Yeah. And, this is, and so I feel like I'm so happy that you're uncomfortable and you're nervous, and this is I know it's anxiety inducing, but look at how many people have come through yeah, for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that, and I, and I say that understanding how absolutely difficult and hard it is, but I'm just so proud of you, not for all of your accomplishments and just, you know, pushing through this um, program and all that, but also doing something that is important and necessary, even if it's hard. And I just want you to know that I see you doing that. I'm just so proud of you for doing that too. Thank you, Nikita. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying not to cry right Go now. Go ahead and so. cry. No. Let it mm-hmm. out. Cause I just, um, I also think about like only 3.5% of like tenured faculty are women of color Um, I think about how 70% of people with PhDs don't get job offers and actually work like multiple jobs to support themselves. 
I think about like why I quit my other job because like I just couldn't do it. it I was doing so much stuff. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's it's like in some way people like celebrate you <clears throat> for like running yourself into the dirt. But like that has a cost and I'm just really feeling that cost really heavily. And so it's like, I, uh, fuck it. Like I'll live in poverty to like be sane. Yeah. Um, and I'll stare down like these really scary statistics because like it was never about like ascending into this like like white colonialist construct that is the ivory tower of academy what it always was for me was like i want to do this because um so many folks just like me have been like squeezed out of it and like we saying the same thing and it's like okay if y'all gonna accept me i'm just i'm gonna get in the door and like kick it open for other people to be able to do it yeah and um i've taken a lot of like hits and blows because of that and i think that's just like all hitting me and it's it doesn't, it's not lost on me. Like Shakira said to me, she's like, you just trying to get a degree and they like fucking with you. Every, you know, it's like, it's not lost on me that right up until the end, I'm going to have to fight for this. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And so it's just rough. It's just rough. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like hard to talk about because I don't, I don't like, this is so counterproductive because like I'm a therapist, but like, I don't like to share my struggle I just want to, like, help people through theirs. (laughs) And so, yeah. But. But. That's the purpose of the community. Yes, it is. (laughs) She looks so uncomfortable (laughs) right now. (laughs) We don't heal in exile, so. Absolutely. Unless we're Asada Shakur. All right. So, um. (laughs) uh, I'm going to move on to the small town shout outs. Uh, what are the small town shout outs? So the small town shout outs are not only the place that I um, demonstrate how little I know about geography, mm-hmm. but it's also the place where we shout out um, the cities that have come up in our like top 20 that mm-hmm. are outside of these like large metropolitan. metropolitan areas, yeah. yeah, because queerness can often be metro normative. Meaning that we focus on the large urban city centers. But we know that most queer folks live outside of large cities because most folks live outside of large cities. So um, we like to shout out those places. So the three shout outs for this episode Upland, California. What up, Upland? (laughs) Their land. That's what's up. Okay, that was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Parker, Colorado. Hey, Parker. Hey, how you doing? What's your little white girl city name? <laughs> Parker. <laughs> Parker. <laughs> and Antioch, Tennessee. That's a good old southern name for a city. Ain't that got some kind of biblical Antioch? something? I think so. I don't know. I don't know either. I Sounds... don't know anything about the Bible. So again, shout out to Upland, Parker, and Antioch for yeah. coming through. In your communities. Right. And like getting a bunch of folks together to listen to Queer Walk. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're from Upland, Parker, or Antioch, tell us. It'd be like, hey, I'm from, you know, Upland, Parker, or Antioch. And this is what we be doing. This is what the queer pox be doing out there. Yeah. Because Tumble's still showing out. Like, yeah. yeah we still representing. Yeah. And we're going to try to pronounce it right one day. It's not Tumble? Oh, Tom Ball. I don't know. Tom Ball. Nikita and T the Muse will have to Tomba. Tomba. Do uh, they pronounce the L? I don't know. I don't know. 
We need we need a very clear phonetic uh, spelling. Somebody send in like a um a audio clip of pronunciation, <laughs> please. Because yeah, we're that's just not that's not our forte. All right. Um. So I know you don't uh have a jingle. It's okay. But could you at least introduce, introduce my segment? Okay. At least. So money going to talk about some therapeutic stuff. <laughs> you bitch! <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So this is my personal favorite segment of Queer Walk, the podcast. And this is the mental moment with money. A segment where money uses her therapeutic skills, expertise, to regale us with some kind of important tidbit insight or knowledge on a wide spectrum of things related to healing, health, and wellness. Wow. It's <clears throat> a lot to live up to. Been around the world and I, 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 looking for some healing. I don't know when, I don't know where, where to find my psyche, but I know the mental moment with money. She'll help me find it. Wow. Um, I've been around the world. I know this. Oh my. This is Aretha Franklin. (laughs) This is humiliating. (laughs) It's not Aretha. Been around the world and I. Oh, that's not Aretha Franklin. Oh my God. um, We have to be done. (laughs) That's that's the most humiliating answer you have ever given. You really are in a bad place right now because that is just inexcusable. It's not a white woman, Nikita. It is a white woman that sings that song. Oh my god. Is this how you want to start off 2020? I need to edit this out. No. Oh, this is bad money. It is. Lisa Stansfield is white. Granted, back in the nineties, I think a number of us were surprised, but I just, I just, oh god, this is not the way we're gonna start off twenty twenty. I need to collect myself. Oh no, this is so bad. Okay, I think, I think we have to cut the segment. You're on punishment. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? I apologize. Oh my god. I feel like this. Just spirit- hurry up and get to the the moment to redeem yourself. <laughs> hurry up. I, I apologize to the legacy of Aretha. <laughs> Lord rest <laughs> her soul. She's like spinning, <laughs> doing three thousand revolutions per minute in her grave right now. Who was that? She said, "I only listen to singers." Oh, she's probably so mad right now. I'm sorry. In yeah. trying to like gather and collect myself. Um, I was like, am I even fit to give a mental moment? But I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, you know, just like one of Nikita's favorite shows, Frasier, he's a very qualified and very skilled Mm -hmm. psychologist, but his his personal life is shit. Yeah, it'd be a So, yeah. I, too. Um, so, (laughs) so. And two money. (laughs) All right. So I wanted to give four tips 
to keep your 2020 goals on track. Ways that you could re-energize those resolutions. I think this is coming at a perfect time because usually um, after like 27 days into the new year, people have already slipped up on yeah. their resolutions. Yeah. So I want to help us with some like goal setting uh, tips that have been like like evidence-based, basically. And what what that means is just that... Empirically supportive. Yeah, that somebody did a study. Like, so what evidence-based means is like somebody would be like, hey, yo, I heard... This works. And somebody will be like, mm, nah, I don't I won't trust it. It's just a testimonial. And then somebody will come along and like actually do a study on it, like where they try to control for stuff and all that shit. And then they'll find the same thing that the first person yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. place that was like, Hey yo, I heard this works. Yeah. So that's what evidence based means. And I have four tips to keep um your like goals fresh and uh like more attainable. And I just want to shout out this new podcast that I found um, over the break and also in uh, trying to uh, pull myself out of the bowels of depression. And it's actually by a um, a therapist of color. So Dr. Jade Wu, shout out to you. Hey, Jade. Uh, yeah. And the podcast is called The Savvy Psychologist. And so this list is inspired um, by a list that she did about... Um, psychology hacks to keep your goals on track, basically. So these are my four. Oh, so she's a rhyming-ass therapist, too? I know. (laughs) When I first listened, and, I, you know, it's not confirmed, but my gaydar is, like, sirening. Yeah. But um, when I first listened, I was like, oh, my gosh. This resonates so much. She loves alliteration and rhyming. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, so she does her four tips, but here are mine that I'm going to give you inspired by her four tips to keep your 2020 goals on track. The first is set learning or challenge or change related goals instead of achievement goals. What's the difference? I'm going to explain it. Okay. So what's the difference between a learning goal or an achievement goal? So there's this pretty well-known Harvard study from 1979. um, And it was like this huge study of MBA students. um, And those are like business students for whatever reason. They love to study them. Maybe because they're like numbers people, whatever. Um, And uh, so this study was like really well known because it actually was an actual study. And there was like an earlier study that was like a hoax. That was supposed to be done by Yale, but it actually wasn't done. Anyway, drag Yale. (laughs) That's what you get for not giving me that postdoc. Anyway. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyway, so Harvard actually did the study. And um, so what they did was they surveyed all of these MBA students, like, across the country about goals and goal setting and all this stuff. Um, and they found that those with learning-oriented goals had higher GPAs on average and reported, like, a better experience in their program overall than those who had um, achievement-oriented goals. So the difference is, like, an achievement-oriented goal would be, I want to get a 3.5 this semester. A learning-oriented goal would be, I really want to learn about this aspect of business this semester. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And so what they found in this study is that uh, folks who set goals like that, like I am, I really want to master this this semester. Yeah. Had higher GPAs mm. and, um, and overall reported like a better experience okay. in school. Um, and then just like a general rule about people, we feel more positive about learning or acquiring 
um, knowledge than we do about thresholds and like plateauing or like checkpoints. That's why, you know, YouTube tutorials are like <laughs> one of the like highest things on YouTube, the highest search things on YouTube. Cause we learn, we love learning. We have like positive reactions oh, okay. to that. Okay. Then to like, think about a checkpoint. Usually when people get to like a checkpoint, they're like, whew, Oh, finally, yeah. you know, it's yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. not a positive, right? Right, right. Um, and that's just like a general, like, human thing the way we're wired. And so, here are some examples, right? So, an achievement oriented goal I want to pass my licensure exam, which I actually do. A learning oriented goal, so that a reframe of that goal I want to study three therapeutic theories outside of the one I use on a daily basis. Okay. Okay. See the difference? This is good. Yeah. This so like, helpful. I'm going to pass my licensure exam if I study the three that I don't usually right. use. But it's it's a reframing. Reframing, yeah. From, it's a reframe from an achievement to a learning goal. Got it. Achievement. I want my locks to reach mid-back this year. I really do. Learning. I want to figure out which oil helps my locks retain moisture. Okay. And that that gets you to that larger goal, but exactly, it's, yeah, exactly. But just think about how much more fun it is, like styling your hair with different oils, than being like, uh, where's check? check? Yeah, 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 check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's my tape measure? Um, achievement. I want to read one book a month. Learning. I want to discover my favorite Toni Morrison novel oh, this year. Oh my god, this is so helpful. See. Yeah. So it's like same outcome, but like a different way. Because yeah. you you know how you feel when you be like, damn, I wanted to read a book a month this year. And I failed. I'm, I'm three pages into the you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you you feel like a failure. Absolutely. As opposed to, yo, Sula fucked me up. Right. Like and I And just, and it's like uh, maybe you only got to read three Toni Morrison novels. But that's three more than last year. Yeah, and you're like, okay, so Sula is my favorite yeah. out of and I only got to read you know, or not even only, but I read, you know, Beloved and Tar Baby. Yeah, yeah. And you still read, like you said, more than last year. Right, All right. All right, bitch. See? All right. So my second tip, make it a challenge rather than a threat. So shout out to Dr. Wu for this one. Um, and she she talked a lot about, like, again, like bodily responses to, like, challenges um, versus threats. So, like, challenges, we're driven and motivated to meet them versus threats, we're driven to um, protect ourselves and yeah. guard ourselves against yeah. them. So, this is an example of goals. So, a threat goal, I need to practice for my defense or I will fail it. <laughs> a challenge goal, I need to prepare to have the type of defense I want. Mm. A threat goal, I need to lose weight or I will get diabetes and have a heart attack. <laughs> Wow. That's, I mean, that's so real. Like, uh, what's that um, awful muscle bitch name who was like... Oh, yeah. Body shaming Lizzo? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, all of these, um, like, uh, threat or punishment narratives we have around health yeah, and wellness. Yeah, yeah. Don't actually make... Don't actually encourage anybody to actually to be healthy in any kind of regard. Exactly. All right, bitch. So that's the threat goal, right? I need to lose weight or all these dire health outcomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um just as an aside, that also thin people face. Um challenge. I want to find healthy habits that will support my well-being. See the difference? Yeah. Okay. My third tip for reinvigorating those resolutions 
is to make it meaningful. Um, Studies show that tying a goal to a personal value gives you more of an incentive to like complete or achieve that goal because it internalizes it. Can you give me an example? Of like a meaningful goal? Yeah, tying it to a personal value. Oh, okay. So like let's uh, let's just stick with the wellness one. So like um, I feel like dealing with all this PCOS stuff, like the, the number yeah. one thing is like, oh, lose weight. Yeah. Um, and it's like that's not actually a solve for it. But whatever, girl. Um, go off. So what's meaningful to me, right, is like what Audre Lorde says about like uh like self-preservation is like an mm. act of resistance, you know? Or like Nayara Wahid, I have the quote right there. Like loving myself is the quietest, simplest, most powerful oh, revolution ever. Yeah. Those are like black feminist values that I hold deeply. Right. And so the way I take care of my body is connected to that. Okay. Because like why would I um yeah. like eat, do or be in things yeah. that like yeah. are detrimental to my well being yeah. when White supremacy and capitalism are already trying to kill me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so um, yeah. I'm like, like my mind is like quietly like exploding right now. Oh, this is like okay. Yeah, this is this is so funny because the whole time I was creating this, I was like, I'm a mess. What am I doing? <laughs> How can is, I give helpful advice? Well, this is good. You know. All right, and last but not least, a way to revigorate those goals and to actually achieve them is to write it down. So writing encourages better memory recall because it involves like our um, neurosensors and fine motor skills. I don't have time to get into all of the like neuroscience, even though I would love to nerd out about it. Hmm. Um, It just activates more parts of our brain to write something down than it does to type it out. Right. Um, If you think about it, typing is like... um, like muscle memory it's just like where where is this letter on yeah. the keyboard yeah whereas writing is an active cognitive skill okay right so writing something down helps you remember it more um and so obviously when you're remembering something you're more like aware of it and present of it yeah. so if like this is your goal it's gonna like be more in your mind writing is also grounding i've talked about this before yeah. like um when you want to like soothe um, tension, anxiety, panic. That's why journaling is so cathartic for people. You know, it's like it really grounds you in like the hereness of right now, especially if you're writing with a pencil and you, and you got the sound of the, you know, it's very, it's very grounding. Writing is manifesting. So here's my woo-woo tidbit that I'm going to add on here. You know, um, I do a lot of mirror writing. Like, I'll write something on my mirror that I want to see. Mm-hmm. Get it? <laughs> yeah. Um, but sometimes I'll write, like, uh, a qu- an inspirational quote. Or I'll, like, write a goal that I have on my mirror. So it's like I'm getting ready in the morning and I'm actually looking at this thing all the time because I wrote it on my mirror. And... To go back to that Harvard study, so that same Harvard study found that uh, the students who wrote down their goals out-earned their peers by 84%. Um, So this is, I mean, this is obviously like um, correlation and not causation. Yeah. Like we could say that there's just something different about people who write down their goals versus people who be like, I'm going to do that. Right. Uh, (laughs) right. (laughs) Like obviously, but... Shit, like eighty four percent, you out earn your your peers who got the same degree at the same place wow. by eighty four percent, and this is the this is the things like oh they wrote down their goals. Okay. Um, that makes me think about planning. 
So you yeah, you make yeah, yeah. you make realistic, measurable, attainable goals yeah. for yourself when you write some shit down. Um, and I just believe in the power of manifesting, like uh, through written things. Like there's this picture that circulates a lot of Octavia Butler's journal where she wrote down, like, I will write, yeah. like, all my books will be bestsellers. You know, yeah. like, I will do this. I will do that. Yeah. It came to fruition. Yeah, yeah. So I just really believe in, like, writing stuff down. You know, Nipsey Hussle said, I wrote it down, then I followed through. You know? <laughs> Ocean views. So <laughs> it's um. starting to be strange. I think somebody should do a compilation of how many times you've referenced that song. On the show. No, I have not. You, you. Well, I mean, it is a classic. You reference it a lot. Lord, Lord rest his soul too. Yeah, and I mean, even even in that song, like he he literally, ooh, it's kind of eerie. He like wrote his own funeral. You mm-hmm. know, like yeah, like when I die, this is what I want. You yeah. know, and that that's exactly what they did for his homegoing services. Right. So, yeah. R.I.P. Nip, and there's power in writing some shit down. Yeah. So, to recap, four tips to keep your 2020 goals on track and re-energize those resolutions. One, set learning or change goals instead of achievement goals. Two, make it a challenge rather than a threat. Three, make it meaningful. Four, write it down and follow through. <laughs> this is just I just love I think that the thing I love most about therapy is like the the thing that's been most beneficial for me is like the whole idea of like reframing things. Mm-hmm. But and this is just like huge. This is this I think I think that this is really good. This is really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'm very stuck in narrative therapy, which is part of studying for my licensure exam, but like uh, some there's a tenet of narrative therapy is like we don't create like fairy tales around our life in order to feel better we just have to find like a preferred narrative mm. to what's happening um that doesn't make us feel like the problem yeah or that like is such a, a stuck dominant narrative that we can't see all the, the right, things right. that contradict that outside of it and you don't have to look at me like that nikita oh, i told i'm being very open and honest about being unwell mm-hmm. <laughs> right now. Yeah. And so you don't have to look at me like that, like, is that what I told you yesterday when your bitch ass wouldn't get out of bed? Yes. <laughs> I did not call you a bitch ass. <laughs> it was implied. <laughs> it was not. It was not. But I feel like I tell you that regularly. So it's basically like, we'll be like Nikita. Alize. Alize LMFT, basically. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So just just fuck my journey to uh to credentials. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. See, that's. I mean, that's, this is what everybody problem saturated. This narrative. is what everybody does anyway, right? They <laughs> just say stuff, and now look at me. I'm no, you're right. I'm not LMFT because that requires actual credential. Credentials. I'm going to be like Nikita the Healer. <laughs> no, I'll be a, a health and wellness influencer. All right, I'm I'm firing shots unnecessarily. So all right. This is really great money. Thank you so much for this. Well, I, I mean, I have to, like, put it into practice yeah. myself. But, yeah, I'm glad it was, like, helpful. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And again, shout out to Dr. Wu for the inspo. The monstrous herself, Nikita Alizé, to uh, give us a word. 
We're really you moving on to doing it very differently in 2020. I see. Yeah, I'm just gonna start introducing your segment uh, with some hateful thing that you've said to me <laughs> <laughs> since the last episode. Okay. So be be mindful of what you say to me. <laughs> Go ahead. You're not gonna do me like this. All right. So this is the segment where. Nikita breaks down some social justice jargon or some political thing that's happening in, like, um, the world or just something that we should have on our radar as queer folks of color and why it's important to us. So, take it away, Nikita. Okay. Well, I guess the worker wordsmith uh, was uh, offed in 2019. Yeah, it's a bit much. I'm (laughs) going to have to... Calm you down. Take you down a few pegs. Take, take me down a few pegs? Yes. You, you're, you're on one, Nikita. What are you talking about? Continue with your segment. Are you really not going to do... Uh, you know what? I'm editing this episode, here, so I'll no, just... No, here, here goes the uh, scaffolding songstress <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the word. Go. I'll just copy and paste it from another episode. <laughs> no, you won't. Okay. You don't even know how to do that. You tried it, buddy. <laughs> well, at least I'm not foolish enough to think that Lisa Stansfield is Aretha Franklin. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> it's too soon. Like, <laughs> it's, it's right here in this episode. You're never going to live that will also be edited out. Continue. Mm-mm. Oh, gosh. Okay. So it's starting to be like, I guess on accident, some kind of tradition where I talk about the election after our break. Mm-hmm. Um, because the only one star review we got last time. Yeah, and we see where Kamala has landed <laughs> outside of the race. Actually, you know, I can't. I couldn't. I was not in favor of Kamala, but um, it is sad that there's no candidates of color left in the Democratic primary. Uh, but I do. So I'm really not going to get into like in the nitty gritty of the policy debates. But there's all this stuff that's been happening between. Um, Elizabeth Warren's Elizabeth Warren supporters and like Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. supporters and there's just all this stuff that I'm like watching and witnessing and I just kind of want to talk about that. Like I said, I'm not. I think I want to do it later on down the line, but like that's for this episode and this segment. I'm not going to like get too too into the weeds around the policy. Um, but like a lot of things, I'm really kind of. It's not that I'm particularly interested in either of them. Um, Individually, but there's a lot of conversations that I think that are happening around uh, both campaigns that I, that to me feel important to think about, and that in in and of themselves they reflect these broader debates that we tend to have on the left, mm. and and I think one of the key kind of this ongoing battle on the left between like class versus identity identity based um, issues, and I, that's the way that the I think that. The argument is cast, but I don't think that that's actually a helpful way to think about it. Um, and I think there's just a, like a lot of like bad faith arguments, and it's just like there's just a lot of shit that's been happening. And it's like, I mean, if I wanted to talk about, I mean, we could really spend like hours talking about this stuff. But there's like three different dustups that have happened in like the last few weeks that to me have been really telling that I want to talk about. And the reason why I'm focusing on I mean, I think it should be obvious, but I'm just going to say it anyway. The reason why I'm focusing on Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, because I feel like for most like left wing 
liberal, progressive, and radical people that pay attention to um, electoral politics, like these are by far the outstanding candidates. The the like the progressive, yeah. you know, however you deter- mm-hmm. define the term broadly, these are the two most progressive candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's um, so I don't know if folks there's like I said there's three things that I want to um, talk about that I think reveal some kind of broader things, and that I just really want to run my mouth about. And if you follow me on social media, then you'll you know you've seen me ranting about this stuff. Um, I feel like I should be honest from the outset. I feel like my dilemma is not between Bernie and Warren. Like, I feel comfortable saying that in terms of those two, in terms of, like, the Democratic the Democratic primary more broadly, I lean more towards um, Bernie Sanders. And so I feel like the dilemma for me, like, y'all know I've ripped the Democratic Party a new one. So my personal dilemma is, like, voting for a Democratic um, candidate, right? Mm-hmm. So for me... He is, he's clearly the, the person uh, that I think most represents um, my values. But yeah. I think it's important to say that this is a very limited horizon. Nobody is right. doing, nobody is championing the, the revolutionary, you know, socialist, black feminist yeah. revolution that yeah. most encompasses my values and like the values of others. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's, they're constrained choices. Right, right. Um, I don't have time to rip uh, this motherfucker a new one, but I, if it would be on site if I saw Pete Buttigieg in the streets. Oh, my God. I just, like, I... Oh, my God. I feel, like, seven days a week, alternate sides of the street. Oh, my God. And that's that's who I want to rip up next. Ooh. Because... Black oh, people don't like me. And he's just, like, oh, my, oh I'm not going to... If I if I get on him... Okay. Okay, but... <laughs> that's... I, the, I mean... Just know. He he would give us a negative star if Kamala gave us the one. <laughs> I hate him more than anybody in the race. It, the community contributors, our goal is to jump a Buttigieg. Exactly. <laughs> I saw this hilarious uh, tweet on Twitter about him. Because, you know, he's gay, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And so they were like, Pete Buttigieg would have seen the Stonewall Rebellion and would have been looked out the window and would have been like, I'm so happy that the cops are here to save us. <laughs> That's that's like a perfect encaps- encapsulation yeah. of what his bitch ass is about. I hate him. Can't stand him. Anyway, so there's this recent dust up around Bernie Sanders campaign. There's, I guess, one of the... It was, it, it's not clear if it was a phone banking script or like a, a door knocking script that was leaked. Um, then um, then the, uh, Elizabeth Warren leaked something about Bernie Sanders saying something about a, a female candidate not being able to run. And then there's this recent issue with um, Joe Rogan, who is who was the motherfucking host of Fear Factor yeah. like 20 years ago, <laughs> who's like a libertarian, racist uh, piece of shit, right? He's, but he said that he's going to vote for um, Bernie. Yeah. And so, like I said, these things in and of themselves are not are not the things that I care about, but it's like, again, the sort of broad left's reaction to all of these things. So I want to start with the first thing. So a couple of weeks ago, it was leaked. So I don't know who leaked it, but there was like a canvassing script from the Bernie Sanders campaign and what the what it was urging the, the canvassers of Bernie supporter campaign workers to say was like, Elizabeth Warren's base of support tends to be affluent and highly educated and they're like she's my second choice but like she doesn't have like the same base of support Mm -hmm. that bernie has Mm -hmm. and so people were like bernie um is playing dirty like why would he do that you know because a lot of people have been saying that 
Bernie and Warren should be, but they shouldn't be attacking attacking each other. Okay. And so I think my thing is like I understand. So before before I get there, it was strange to me that people were so like up in a roar and up in a tizzy about that because it's like. It's true. Like, there have been polls. I'll put a link to the article. And granted, it came out last summer. So, I mean, you can take it with a grain of salt. But Bernie Sanders supporters and uh, Warren supporters, they they do come come from different bases in the Democratic Party. Like, it's not a lie, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't wasn't like... And they... um, I can't remember what article, but, you know, the media is shit. So they posted, so there was this glaring headline that was like, Bernie campaign bashes Warren for being a, a candidate of the elite. And it's like, okay. But th- that was a sensationalized yeah, they way of that. talking yeah. about what their, um, about like what the, what the script actually was saying. And so there's a lot of polls that, that do show that Bernie Sanders, he does appeal to folks, to way more folks who, um, don't have college degrees, people who are of lower, um, who do have lower incomes and, uh, and again, this is, this is, this is a report from the summer. So things very well may have changed, but uh, Bernie Sanders has way more black supporters mm-hmm. than um, Elizabeth Warren. And, you know, and again, there's I'm going to try to get into this a little bit later, but there's all these conversations around, like, Bernie and race and that kind of thing. But, like, my thing is, like, um, it was a true statement. Yeah. Like, it, it's fine to say that. And so what I was going to say is that there's this impulse to be, like, they shouldn't, like, they should be unified against, like, the more moderate uh, pieces of shit like Klobuchar, Biden, and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, I get that, but it's also a race. It's a race, yeah. It's a race. Mm-hmm. And for me, I do actually think that it's important to try to distinguish that there are differences between Bernie Democratic Sanders voters. And d- between the base and between um, the vision the, and the yeah, policies yeah, yeah. of Bernie Sanders right, right. and um, Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's important to say, I do think it's important to try to win people to say, Bernie's vision is a lot more expansive mm-hmm. than Warren. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I don't. I just feel like that's politics, and like people were trying to say, oh, like you know, it's a, like, um, like a, you know, an attack on Warren. And I'm like, I think that like attacks, like of course, if there was like sexist attacks, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, um, sure. But I'm like, again, like I do feel like in a lot of ways. Um, so I feel like the key way I think as of recent. Um, is as of late is like Bernie is very clear on cancel all the student debt. Yeah. Uh, like just cancel it all mm-hmm. 100%. And now Elizabeth Warren, like her thing around canceling student debt is like, well, it's it's going to be like, she has a thing on her campaign website where it's like, you plug in how much you make it and it'll say like, this amount of your student debt will be canceled. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, get get rid of all of it. Get rid of all of it, yeah. And my thing is, like, the way when you think about politics, you always go for the most radical demand because you know you're going to have to... Concede. It's going to be yeah. conceded. So mm-hmm. I'm like, if you're saying, like, I'm only going to get 50000 of my $100,000 debt canceled, if that's what you're starting out with, then by time the yeah. compromises, it's going to be, like, 10000 or 5000 yeah. You yeah. know, I'm like, that's not... That's, that's not the expansive vision. And I think another way, this is something I really want to learn more about myself and I've been trying to read more about it and I would love to talk about it, but like single-payer healthcare, like medical Medicare for all. Bernie's like full-out 100% Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren, she's been wishy-washy on mm-hmm. it. So at first she says like she supports Medicare for all and now it's like there's going to be like a public option and then she's saying, well, we'll roll it out, incremental change over like 18 months. And mm-hmm. I'm like... 
No. Yeah. That's right. And so, again, it's it's important to say, hey, this is a different political vision and we think that our political vision is best. Mm-hmm. That's Again, that's just politics. And then, so what... So something that happened like right after that is Elizabeth Warren dropped this. So she has this statement saying that there was a conversation that they had last year. It was either 2019 <coughs> or 2018 where she had a conversation with Bernie Sanders about running like the the presidential campaign. Mm-hmm. And, and so she did this really vague. I thought it was I think it's actually there's a lot of debate about this. I think what she did was actually like unscrupulous and um, it was shady so right after this whole campaign canvas script fiasco happened elizabeth warren drops this statement and so she says she had this meeting with bernie and they were talking about you know the the democratic you know potential nominees what what would Mm -hmm. happen if the democrats nominated a female candidate and so she says um I thought a woman could win. He, being Bernie D- Bernie Sanders, disagreed. I have no interest in discussing this private meeting any further because <laughs> Bernie and I have far more in common than our differences on punditry. And I'm like, you can't say. But, yeah. you, and it's like, it wasn't like somebody asked her. Right, right. And I'm like, you can't say. He ain't think a woman could win and not And not expect, yeah. because for me, like. The obvious thing that you're trying to imply is that Bernie Sanders it's is sexist. sexist, yeah. And like, there's and obviously, and and I think it's fucked up that she wouldn't expound on the statement because obviously there's a difference in saying Trump is a vile, vindictive, nasty misogynist, and it would be an uphill battle for a woman candidate yeah. versus saying I don't think a woman could or should be president. Right, right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And a, a lot of. Um, one of the things that people have also brought up is the fact that this is not the only time in which Elizabeth Warren has been like disingenuous or like lied. Like a lot of a lot of what we have learned from indigenous like writers, organizers, and activists is that Elizabeth Warren has never fully and properly accounted for the fact that she lied about being indigenous. Mm-hmm. Like she has this. There's like starting to be a pattern mm-hmm. of her being like a liar, mm-hmm. right? And so a lot of people, um, and so here's kind of the thing that I tend to see with with these debates, and this is kind of what I really want to talk about, is the fact that I I I'm, I come down on the side that she's a liar. Like I, 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 I think you, she. I was laughing because you have liar written in your oh. notes. <laughs> so I'm like, I think I don't think she was being fully. I don't think she was being. I, I don't think she was being fully honest. I'll yeah. say that yeah. right, and so. And then a lot of people brought in, you know, okay, this is where I'll go. So a lot of people were like, a lot of people were then comparing this to like, oh, well, you all say believe women. And now, like, you all are not trying to believe women. And I'm like, context matters. Yeah. Like, this is a this is a woman in power, which is not to say that women in power can't experience um, sexism and broader abuse. But, like, the also the believe women for me is so much of that is rooted in, like, the discussion and the fights around sexual harassment and mm-hmm. assault. And, like, that's not this instance. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is a woman in power. This is a woman who has power, who's running for a position um, of power. It's not to say yeah. that Bernie isn't, you know, uh, a person without power. He obviously is. And, um, but it's like, th- again, this is, like, context specific. And it's like, She's running for um, a position of power and she has not been totally honest yeah. in the past. 
And so here's where, this is what I'm trying to get at within these conversations. So I saw people going back and forth and then somebody shared this video of Bernie Sanders from like the 80s saying that, um, like he thinks like little girls should be able to run for president. Mm -hmm. And so people are like, look, Bernie's not sexist. Back 30 years ago, he said a woman could run for president. And I'm like, that is, like that's not a sharp argument, right? And it's like, and we know that just because a man is on the left, like doesn't mean that he can't be sexist. So it's not not to say that Bernie couldn't be or can't be sexist. But I'm like, I do think it's important to say that there's not, she did like a bait and switch where it's like, I'm going to drop this thing, but I'm not going to say yeah. anything else further. So that's what was fucked up to me mm-hmm. about it. Not to, not the fact that um, like yeah. Bernie is like some savior who could never possibly get something wrong mm-hmm. on a question of oppression. Mm-hmm. And so the thing I think about in all these discussions is that I feel like there's a lot of like just bad arguments on like that come from like a, come from both sides or many different sides. You know what I'm saying? Because I saw people who were like, oh, um, like Bernie's like a raging sexist. And I'm like, I I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's as sharp on questions of gender and and race as as he could be. But I don't think that he's necessarily some raging misogynist. And I'm like, and again, my, the, the way that I was like engaging people around the Elizabeth Warren thing is like, I think that, Again, I don't think that she was being honest. I'm not going to be like, look at this one thing that Bernie Sanders said about girls running for president mm-hmm. in the 80s. I'm like, yeah. like it's just out of touch. Yeah. And I think that for me, the, the reason why I pay attention to this stuff so much is because I'm like, I feel like we really have to learn to make sharper arguments. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I saw that. I'm like, why would... And the person, when I saw that person bring up... Um, that thing to another person about Bernie and saying girls can run for president. That, that girl, the, the woman responded was like, what in the fuck does this video <laughs> from 30 years ago have to, you know? And so I feel like I see a lot of, um, not all, but I feel like I do see like Bernie supporters, a, a lot of, a number of whom um, are white, um, who just like, I'm just like, you just have to make like better arguments, yeah. right? Like, how, like, are you actually trying to like either... Like, you're not defending your candidate in the best way possible that's, around these things. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. It's like, the point of making a better argument is to, like, hopefully uh, persuade someone exactly. to vote for your candidate. And so, um, but, and, and so on the other side, I also feel like there's, like, bad faith arguments. And I'm like, I feel like it would just be so much helpful because the... I feel like the truth or, like, the meat of the arguments is usually somewhere in the middle. So after all of this uh, hoopla around, like, the woman president, um, female uh, Democratic nominee um, thing, Brittany Cooper, who was somebody who I think is, like, really sharp, yeah. wrote a piece and that, I, like, I didn't agree with. It. I, didn't, I didn't think it was uh, that great. And so she wrote a piece saying, like, it matters that Elizabeth Warren is a woman and why do so many on the left insist that it doesn't? And so... I think that there is an argument that probably could be made around this, but I don't think that Brittany Cooper did, like, the best job in making that case. Mm -hmm. Now, again, going back to how to make good arguments, I mean, people were ripping her a new one for this piece, and I'm like, I think there's other places where I, like, I think I disagree with Brittany Cooper, but, like, like, again, I don't think it was a great piece, but I'm like, like, people were, like, this doesn't mean that Britney Cooper is now, like, a neoliberal capitalist right, shill. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like, one of the things that I did think um, was interesting um, was that, so, like, one of the arguments that she says is that people on the left, like, she's like, black people on the left are like, they don't trust white women, and that's why they're not supporting um, Elizabeth Warren. And I'm like, like, 
I feel like that's a straw person argument. Like that's, that doesn't actually fully capture why um, black people on the left like are skeptical of like Elizabeth Warren. Like I said, she hasn't fully um, accounted for and um, like explained like the fact that she flat out lied about her heritage and she hasn't mm-hmm. done any meaningful work to try to repair that harm. Yeah. And um, uh, there's like a number of like black leftists, like black leftist women online who have been like, um, like I would benefit from Medicare, like mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I would I'm saddled <laughs> with student debt, so yeah. like like people are making like policy based choices, right? But in the article, so I think that that was a straw person argument, and then Brittany, but Brittany Cooper does move to the um like the policy based mm-hmm. merits, and so one of the things. Um, that she says is that, so she's responding now to the people who are like, the, I guess like my assumption is that she's responding to like black people on the left who are saying, okay, you want to talk about policy? And like her broader argument, as I understand it, is that like a woman based, like it would be hard for a woman, like a self-identified socialist woman to run for president. And I'm like, like, I, I, think, that, I think that she's right, right? I mean, we see like the, I mean, we see the attacks, like... Bernie Sanders is absolutely attacked by establishment mainstream media. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And she's right. Like, he's not attacked in the way that Ilhan Omar Mm -hmm. and um, AOC is attacked. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, that would have been a sharp argument to make. Not like, not some kind of defense of Elizabeth Warren. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And like, and one of the things that she said that I thought was um, really interesting is that, like, so so what she's trying to say is that, like, patriarchy shapes the way that women are, like, supposed, the, the way that women engage in, like, the political field. And I'm like, that's absolutely right. But, like, one of the things that I think is interesting is that she says is, like, it's remarkable, this is a quote from the article, it's remarkable that Warren has fared as well as she has as far as, It's remarkable that Warren has fared as well as she has as running far to the left as she has. America carries big stick energy around the world, a phallic project that places female leaders in the position of trying to replicate these behaviors in order to appear tough or reject them at the risk of appearing soft. And so in, in parentheses, she says, Hillary Clinton couldn't crack this code and Warren will have to figure it out if she manages to face Trump in the general election. And I'm like, so my problem with the way that um, Brittany Cooper is talking about the way that gender like shapes basically what she's talking about, mm-hmm. like is like women being a commander in chief and like the, the role of empire. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Hillary Clinton is not like a warmonger. She doesn't support war because that's what the men have to do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about her broader political Thinking. and economic yeah. commitments yeah. and interests. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And so that was what was for me was lacking like in this piece. And I'm like, yes, Bernie is a white man. And yes, Elizabeth Warren like is a white woman, but they have different and distinct, clearly articulated political visions and interests, right? And so mm-hmm. we and so our job is to figure out whose visions and policies most reflect our values. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like the yeah, piece didn't yeah. really um like wow. the piece didn't really get at that. Do you know what I'm saying? And so it's not just like, Damn, oh Nikita. look, I'm hamstrung because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And it's like and again, and I think to like to make the point, like this is why I'm like Ilhan Omar and AOC are such good 
Like those to me are the mm-hmm. best examples, right? 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 Rather yeah, than right. like in Elizabeth Warren, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, and so, but these are the things that I'm like saying. Like, I wish we could. You're like a socialist battle rapper. It's just like bars. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And yeah. so, and another point that I think is actually important is think about. So when we talk about black you know, candidates of color and women. It's also not a coincidence. Like, think about who the candidates of color were. Yeah. The nominees. Mm -hmm. Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Andrew Yang. Mm -hmm. And even think about Elizabeth Warren. And and I want to be clear. I don't think Elizabeth Warren's politics are the same as Klobuchar, Harris, Booker, or Yang. Or Biden. Right? But, But I do... The way that we can have two... To support Brittany Cooper's larger point about women and, like, arguably, of course, like, POC can't run that Mm -hmm. far, like, to the left. Think about all the work that, it's not a coincidence that it is the most moderate, even think about Pete Buttigieg, who's, who's gay. It's not a coincidence that it's never, it's hardly, the Democratic Party establishment hardly ever props up left wing radical women plc and queer people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying so that mm-hmm. to me is the analysis right. that we should have why is it that, 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 a that Bar- it's, yeah. it's a barack obama right right, right? whereas yeah. i mean you look you know and again at a lower level yeah you know so there's a, a black mayor in um in mississippi chokwe lumumba and like his daddy, Chokwe Lamumba Senior, ra- real radical mm-hmm. black folks, and I mean the you know the right wing establishment has been like gunning after them. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? It was like because they actually are trying to do something different. Mm. Chokwe Lamumba is probably never going to rise to the rank to the yeah. top of the party. Yeah. the way that Barack Obama right, did. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And so and so that is mm-hmm. the analysis. Yep. That that is the best way to actually prove Brittany Cooper's point. But that. And so it's I'm not, not a co- and so it's not a and so I think she's right. It's not a coincidence, mm-hmm. right? That That's it is a Bernie Sanders yeah. that is the representative, like the the key leading figure yeah. that we that we have now of democratic socialism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It would be it would be really tough for like a, a black person, immigrant, queer, blah blah blah, yeah. to make it. So this is why, again, the Democratic Party establishment props up, right? Like these. Um, Yes. The oppressed candidates who are the most mm-hmm. moderate and centrist. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, I, w- I was like directly thinking about um, like academia and how these the most like radical hot takes like things that are like anti the academy or even shit in like um, ethnic studies programs. Like I think about how whole ass white people have like... <laughs> um, like, long careers in, like, black studies or, yeah. like, indigenous studies. Sure. And it's like, like, there's a reason why the academy, like, pop props those exactly, people up. Exactly. And not, like, actual, like, indigenous right. women, right. queer folks, trans folks, poor folks. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, there's, again, there's a critique to be made, but right, I, right. I don't think she made the sharpest, the sharpest. Um, argument for that. So, like I said, Joe Rogan said um, that he's probably going to, like, you know, he's endorsing, he's coming out. In support of Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. So Joe Rogan, a hot, just a hot, terrible mess. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he said a lot of transphobic stuff. He said a lot of racist stuff. Um, he's had, like, people from the alt-right on his show. And so a lot of people are saying, 
that so there's two there's two kind of threads to that have come out in response to this Joe Rogan endorsement. And the important thing is to say that the Bernie Sanders campaign made a video highlighting that Joe Rogan is supporting him, endorsing him. So some people are like, look, that's fucked up. You need to denounce that endorsement. Mm -hmm. The other group of people are like, it shows how the left can't continue to be in its silos and it's going to have to like reach out to people who they um, disagree with. Right. And so they're like, this is a whole bunch of people who who might who are like, you know what? Because I know Joe Rogan. I don't listen to that show. But Joe Rogan, I saw some clip that was going around on social media where he said something positive about universal health care. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the problem with Bernie Sanders and my like, this is where I said, I just don't think him like I don't, he just does not. There's like small things that I think that he could do to be sharper on um, questions of oppression, and I'm just kind of like, you know, oh no, baby, what is you doing? Because I'm like, I don't think, I don't think that he should denounce the um, Joe Rogan um, endorsement. But I absolutely think black people and trans people and other marginalized and oppressed people have every right to be like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, and so the like. A small thing that I feel like he could have done or the campaign could have done is like, you know, we're glad that Joe Rogan and like his listeners are um, like support universal health care. And we want to do everything we can to push him and his listeners to understand that we're just as passionate and, and we find that racial justice and queer justice is just as important. And the reason why I say this is because Bernie himself and his supporters are like, we're not do- just doing like a regular electoral campaign. And this is another reason why I feel like I lean more um, towards Sanders because he says like he knows that like, when he, like, you know, if he were to win like the presidency, he's not going to be able to do all this stuff by himself. He's he he and his supporters are always like we have to have and we're building a movement mm-hmm. and a key piece of movement building is you actually have to push people yeah. to change their reactionary ideas. Mm-hmm. And I think that, there, again, there's a lot of Bernie supporters who are like, like, I remember I got into this discussion with somebody on Twitter. It was very comradely and good, like, kind of back and forth. And they were like, yeah, like, I think that the left can't continue preaching to the echo chamber. And I'm like, sure, but but Bernie and but the Bernie campaign should have had an explicit statement or something re- reaffirming their commitment to, uh, yeah. to oppress yeah. people, black people. Yeah. Um, trans people and all the other people that Joe Rogan has, you know, said vile, nasty things about. And I think the campaign should have, the campaign should have been clear about a strategy, even give examples of how they have pushed people to have, pushed people on their reactionary, oppressive ideas. Mm. And so the thing that I want to say is that I, so I think there's two things. I think that there's, um, I do feel like there are media establishment folks who cynically always try to say, who cynically trot out the fact that Bernie is not sharp on like race and gender. But the reality is the backwards piece of shit candidates that they support are not sharp on these things. Right, right, right. But so so what I, what I often see is Bernie supporters responding to those cynical bad faith arguments instead of like the actual black people, queer people and other oppressed people on the left who are like, you have by those and like who are saying you have to be sharper on this. And so here's where I think that, um, And so I think mm. these people, so when jo- when Bernie does something like this, it gives people a moment 
for a pause because he hasn't been sharp on this stuff in the past. Mm. And here's where I do think that there's a difference. I do feel like rhetorically, I do think that Elizabeth Warren is sharper on these things. And it's not a coincidence because I I look at some of the people who I respect, yeah, who are like supporting her campaign. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. she had that endorsement from the um, like the Black Women for Warren. So yeah. somebody who we've had on the show who we love and respect is Charlene Carruthers. Yes. And there's another another um, other Black women who yeah. I think are sharp yeah. and who are and again who Ashley I don't Marie Preston exactly yeah. people who are not you know centrist shills or whatever nonsense right, right. right people who are making informed strategic decisions yeah and so like here's a here's the best example i can give so when when elizabeth warren was once asked how she's going to address like the black maternal health crisis and i don't know if her plan has changed on this but i looked at like something that she said um, I think it was in an interview or if it was on her website. And she was like, she was going to basically give hospitals with like low black maternal health crisis, black maternal health uh, rates, mortality uh, health crisis rates. They were going to get quote unquote incentives and basically uh, hospitals that were performing poorly in that regard were going to be basically punished. And Bernie Sanders, like he just said, he just said like, this is why I'm fighting for single payer health care. Mm-hmm. So this to me is such a perfect example of, the, I think, the problems that I have with both. So when I read that, when I read Elizabeth Warren's approach, um, you go back to an earlier episode where I talked about neoliberalism. I'm like, that's a market-based solution, yeah. right? So, the, I mean, you think about race to the top in terms of education. It's like schools that are performing well, going to yeah. close them down. I mean, cl- schools that are performing well are going to be fine, and schools that are performing poorly are going to be closed. Yeah, that's not. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Here's the difference. Elizabeth Warren is going to have an answer for issues that affect Black women, but it's not going to be the. It's not going to be a progressive policy proposal. Mm. The where I think mm. Bernie could be sharper is like. So I don't like. I said I'm still trying to learn a lot about single payer, but I listened to this interview uh, with this guy. I'll put it. You know, I think I referenced the dig all the time. There's a really good interview with this guy named Tim Faust, and so one of the things that he was talking about. I don't have time to get into like the nitty gritty of how it worked, but he was basically describing how private health insurance makes it really hard for like poor people, working class people, and black people to become doctors. Mm. Right, I can't get into like the the, the specifics the house, of it. Yeah. Right, but that but that is the role that private insurance pays, and the the role that private insurance shapes who is able to become a doctor. Right, and so I'm like, if Bernie said that, it should be like, mm. you know, it's like this mm. is specifically this is how this broader universal program can mm. impact yeah. black people. I think again, he could just be sharper on these things. And so, why does this matter with Joe Rogan? Mm. It matters because Bernie. I don't think that Bernie has campaigned sufficiently answered. Mm. Like they have not sufficiently proven to marginalized people that like that he can like speak sharply to our issues. Yes. Mm. And I'm like, and I'm like, come on, like. And so people say, yes, he's a white guy from Vermont. And I'm like, but that's the whole. But you, you yourself saying that you're building a, a movement. movement. So you yeah. should be in touch with black people who are fighting for healthcare. Yeah. Who are like, this is how you need to talk about mm-hmm. these issues yeah. that affect us. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah. so this, and so I feel like that to me is like a perfect example of yeah. um, how Bernie could be sharper on race and how again, you know, Elizabeth Warren, she can, she will say something. About black people, but she's going to do it, I think, in her technocratic sort of, you know, establishment. I won't say she's establishment, but she's going to have like a technocratic, sometimes market-based solution to something. But she's going to give like a verbal nod to like black people, but not have a 
a progressive yeah. response yeah. to the issues that mm-hmm. are necessarily like facing black yeah. um, people. And I even saw another thing on her article, like on her website where, I mean, she has other like workplace worker protection. So I don't want to like totally be disingenuous to do straw person arguments, but she has this whole section on her website where she's talking about um, supporting like entrepreneurs of color. And I'm like, and that's kind of what like the technocratic liberals oh, always talk yeah. about, right? Small business owners. Whereas mm-hmm. like, so again, she has stuff about unions, um, on her website, but like one of the things about Bernie is that he says that like my goal is to double u- union uh, membership like within like my first term. And again, so because people are like, well, how's that going to affect Black people? I was just looking online and I just saw this article I think from the Economic Policy Institute, and it was like Black people compared to any other race are the most likely to be in a unit. And I'm like, how wow. come Bernie doesn't say that kind of wow. stuff? Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's so this is. Like, do you, I feel like, I don't know if you are, like, understanding what I'm trying yes, to say. Where it's like, I get what you're saying. Like, there are people who I think are, like, so, like, so like when people make comments about Bernie, like, they're, like, they're right. Yeah. But they're not, um. Like, full. Yeah, that's not full. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. And so. I feel like. Sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. No, that's, no, no, no. Go ahead. I just feel like I'm on, like, smack URL, queen of the ring right now. Because I'm just like, mmm. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's like um how I how I think about it is like we're both like dweebs. Yeah. And when when we really know what we're talking about, like it might not necessarily be the thing that will like galvanize people to like get why that's important. Yeah. Like like a straw person I don't know what a straw person argument is. So but- <laughs> Oh, so let me give you an example. Uh-huh. So a straw person argument would be like if I said, money, I don't like that shirt. I don't mm-hmm. like the shirt that you're wearing. Mm-hmm. And you were like, oh, so you think my whole wardrobe is shit? And okay. I'm like, that's that's not that's so, not actually what I'm saying. So that's I get not, it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or it's like, um, yeah, so it's like. It's like you pull one, one string. Right, exactly. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so okay. that's why I always I always say that Bernie is not as sharp as he should be right. um, on race, which is not the same thing as saying his policies don't have that aren't like inclusive exactly racially, right? exactly yeah exactly that's yes and so i feel like that is the bad faith argument that's lobbed at him a lot mm-hmm. but there is a kernel of truth like in right, that argument right. but we just have to make sure that we're making the right and the sharpest argument right um against that yes. you know what i mean yes okay. absolutely so yeah mm-hmm. yeah it, it reminds me <laughs> i don't know why but it reminds me of like music and like taking like the hottest line or and like looping it yeah. as a hook or something and like that's the catchy part so yeah. it's like what i hear you saying is like elizabeth warren says the things that are catchy and it sounds like it's gonna like do the difference right right but like bernie is not dropping the bangers right. but right. he's actually like rapping like talk to him bernie but like we don't we don't feel it you know what I mean? That is probably like, the sharpest way I think anybody <laughs> has ever put it, bitch. Yeah. That's, that's that's it. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. It's like, you know, there are these rappers who, like, rap their face off, and they don't have the hit songs. Yeah. 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 And so, again, like, if... I think if people... If Bernie had, like, a... Just, again, was sharper on these things, then people would be like, oh, yeah, I know Obviously. that he's going to... So, right. when and Joe Rogan endorses him, I know that he's not... Yeah. wavering in his commitment but it's like damn bernie is like bernie you need to hire nikita alizé that connection that you made between like single payer and like who gets to become a doctor 
And I mean, just to draw out the point, the like the argument. Like, if you have more black doctors, yeah, like arguably right, that, right. that they would interact with black patients better. Differently, and I'm yeah. not saying again that's the the silver bullet, but I'm just like if he could have three or four ways that this broader mm-hmm. policy would have an impact yeah. on black people, and I'm like you all, you know, you always get reamed for this. So why would you right. not be ready and prepared yeah. for this? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. Damn. All right. I I have a lot. To nosh on, as Nikita would say, <laughs> after that word. Wow. Yeah. Okay, maybe you are the worker wordsmith. Back in action. <laughs> that was excellent, Nikita. I'm glad. Because I, man, I fucking told my, I don't even be, I just, I don't even be into electoral politics. And I feel like a hypocrite. Because I'm not involved in nobody's campaign. Like, I just can't. You you know you call me a leftist purist. I just can't bring myself to work on a Democratic uh, Party nominee's uh, campaign. So if if Bernie heard this and was like, uh, hire Nikita Alize, I would not. I would not. And like I'm even debating because like, I'm a registered Green Party member. Uh huh. And like I'm like I I feel so disgusted with myself because I'm like toying with the idea of changing my registration just so I can vote for him in the, in the primaries in the Democratic primary. Yeah, that's why I couldn't vote last time in the primaries because I'm I'm registered Green Party yeah. too because like hashtag Monica Moorhead. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but huh. So, but I mean I do feel like um, oof N- Nikita and them morals and principles. Yeah. So oof. And there's other political work that it, I feel like is important. So I'm like, I'd much rather put, keep putting my energies in like our local like anti-police violence work rather than shifting okay. my energies to work like on... Like the presidential. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, yeah. Now we're going to move on to the topic segment. Yeah. And the topic is just where we talk about everything that doesn't fit into the rest of the show. <laughs> All right. So, Nikita, yes. you had the topic today. I had a question for you. All right. I might have an answer. How do you know when you have a crush on somebody? Why is that your question? I was just curious. I was I was reminiscing about something. It's, it's so nerdy. It's so... Say it. so, so, it's not even nerdy. It's just like... It's just kind of like ooey gooey, and you know I'm not, you? and I'm ooey not this kind gooey? of, and I'm not this kind of person. So um, I don't believe you. I one of my oh god, one of my favorite memories is this period of time where I realized I was just like, because I like for folks, and if you listen to the podcast regularly. Um, like my Bay and I were friends long time before we got together. Friends, <laughs> and but I like vividly and distinctly remember the moment where I was like, "There's something else happening for me here." Can you elaborate? Yeah, like, um, and it's like I remember feeling that way for myself, and then and then there was these smaller things. There were these other moments where I'm like. I think that this is reciprocated. Mm-hmm. This one time we were out, because um, there was this period of time where we were just out getting drinks together a lot. Yes, y'all were. And we were texting a lot. We mm-hmm. were just like, you know, uh, we, yeah, more so than we had in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like, we would see each other like a couple times a week. And we used to live within walking distance and we would just walk to this bar 
and just to have it just to have a beer together every now and then. And we were doing that so regularly. And I think there was like this one time where I was like, huh, I was like, I haven't heard from her today. And I feel a little weird about that. I don't know what it is that you've done to me. Okay, SWV. Yes, I know that's SWV and not Aretha Franklin. Oh, God. But I'm surprised you didn't think that was Whitney Houston. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's... it's I, we were talking at the bar one night. And I did something. I was trying to see... I think it was like my own like kind of dishonest way of trying to find out if she was into anybody at the time. So she was talking about somebody who she, um, I guess, like, had, like, not, like, a thing with, but, like, she, there was somebody who there was, like, mutual feelings. Like, she had uh-huh. feelings, like, she was, like, attracted to them and they were attracted to her. And I think she was about to see them or mm. something. And I was like, oh, I was like, are you ready to, like, rekindle the flame with that person? You know, I'm just trying to, like, mm-hmm. say, I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck going on here? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> she, she got so flustered and nervous and she was like no like i don't know oh my god i've seen jeffy do that and so i was like (laughs) (laughs) and so i was like i think she's feeling flustered because she because she's feeling the kid and she's yeah because she's feeling me and she wants me to be and i think she was like no like i'm not right so she's like i think she was trying to like Show demonstrate to me that I'm still open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. really open. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then um, we went to. It was Halloween. We went to this Halloween party together, mm-hmm. and I'm old, so I, you know, I kiki, and I was like, "All right, it's midnight, way past my bedtime." This was Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I went. I went. Yeah, I went. And it was so funny because she was like, "Oh, I wish you'd have told me that you were going as Bob," because she was like, "I would have loved to go as Tina." And I was like, oh. Y'all would have been a couple costumes? Right. And so I was like, okay. And then that night, so, you know, she'd had a few beverages. So she was just like drunk texting me that night. And I was like, just like, she was like, hey, where are you? What are you doing? And then she sent some uh, garbled whatever, the way <laughs> the way that an intoxicated person would text. <laughs> and I remember I was just being so, I was so giddy. I was like. Why? Like she's drunk and she's texting me. Cause my heart starts beating full <laughs> time without loving you. Are you done? On my mind. And um, and so I was like, so it was at that moment where I was like, <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure, cause like you only drunk text, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I then mean, drunk texts are for people who are on your mind and heart. Yeah. Heavy. So. And it's funny because I feel like I like bring this up to her every now and then. It's just so cute because mm-hmm. I was like, again, like we had been friends, and I was like, it mm-hmm. was like, it was like this period. This I think this all happened in like two months. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we like, I think the, the the deal was sealed like in um, Thanksgiving that like that following month. But I was just like, there was this period where I was like, I'm f- like I feel like I'm feeling things, mm-hmm. and I'm I was just trying to think about like when I have like felt that in the past too i'm just like how do you know so that's like, so that's how you know it. yeah it's like it's not even the spending time together this sounds so cheesy and it's like almost embarrassing it's not even the spending time together but it's like missing the, the person in like when they're like absent because like again we were like regularly spending time together and then it was like if she was going away or something or like when i didn't hear from her i was like oh yeah. 
Yeah. How come she's not reaching yeah. out to me? I just she didn't answer my text. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just got me thinking, like, how do you know when you have a crush on somebody? Mm. Well, I have so many crushes. I feel like I have to differentiate because mm. I think there are my um, completely unrealistic, just like sort of um, removed crushes. Like they don't even know I exist, you know, mm-hmm. like not even necessarily celebrity, but like celesbians, you know, like they're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they're, they're over there somewhere in some other part of the country yeah. don't know me and like. I'm basically just lusting yeah. because I, of because I don't know them. So right. like, what is there to crush on? Yeah. But it's just like, God damn, they look good. Mm-hmm. And oh, they're funny. And whatever they posted yeah. was cute. You yeah. know, there's that kind of crush um, that I, I get really easily. It's just like a initial thing. Mm-hmm. Like somebody could walk in and be like, mm, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> OK, um, I feel that very quickly, like a matter of seconds. Um, instantaneous. <laughs> but then there's like the crush that that is crushing. You know, it's like my heart is involved. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, oh my yeah. gosh. I think I know when I have a crush on someone when I start like in little ways um, like putting off other things that I like should be doing mm-hmm. in order to spend time with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll defend tomorrow. Do I really need this dissertation? That, that client who's on the verge of a crisis, they can Take wait. They can wait. They can wait. No, it's never anything that I'm kidding, big. I'm kidding. It's like... Uh, I probably should write this paper today. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, I really should go to sleep. Like, that's the... Oh, yeah. My last relationship, it was like, we both got to be at work at eight o'clock, yeah. it's three o'clock, and yeah. we still sitting on the porch. Can you go home? No, you go home. I am home. No, you go. You know, like that's when I was like, okay, this is actually like a crush. These yeah. are feelings yeah. because I I know I need more than four hours of sleep right. to function, but right. like I'm putting it off because I want to spend more time with you. Yeah. Um. I I also just get like like bodily reactions. Oh my god, same way. Like, I was thinking that. Like um like my stomach will feel like wobbly. Yeah. yeah. When I see them. Um heart starts beating triple time. Pretty pretty much, yeah. Um I often find myself like trying to like bite my lip or get control of my lips. Yeah. Because the first thing I don't know why, but the first thing I always think about when I have a crush on somebody is kissing them. Same. Like really want to like make out, and so I I feel like I need to be like chill out lips. <laughs> this is this is in you. This this person doesn't know you have these feelings, so like that's a thing. Um, and then I guess something that's like. It has previously been, like, beyond my, like, awareness that I do, that I know I have a crush on somebody, is, like, I would, like, um, not touch them as much as, like, everybody else. Oh, my gosh. What? Same. Really? I have, yeah. It's like, I'll I'll come in, hug everybody. Hey, Same. Boy, hey, girl. Same. <laughs> and Handshake. be like, yep. Handshake. <laughs> I'll be like, what happened to Kid? 
Marissa. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like I, because like, I'm just so nervous. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I feel like if I hug them, they'll feel my heart oh my beating. God. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it was with my ex. I remember I was like <laughs> high five. They, oh my god! Oh, what is with me and Thanksgiving and these uh, booze? Um, I think they normally went home for Thanksgiving and then, but they just like they were just like, oh, I just want to spend like Thanksgiving like with you, and they like spent the night, and mm-hmm. I was just like, spend yeah. the night. I was like, yeah. I was like, you can have the bed. I'll sleep on the couch. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with any yeah. other friend, you're like, right. oh, you know, you just sleep in the bed Exactly, together. exactly. And I was like, we're going to maintain, there's going to be enough space for Jesus, Muhammad, <laughs> Yahweh, all of them. Yeah. But I'm just like, we have to maintain yeah. this. Yeah, that's, that's how you called out my last major crush, because we had a sleepover, and you were like, why is there enough room? <laughs> yeah. There's so much space in between, y'all. <laughs> And you're sleeping on the same bed. Yeah. And I was just like, I just felt like if I would have let any more, sp- like, I felt like it would have been like magnets. Like, yeah. I would have just. <laughs> I, I think I would have, like, yeah, ex- just, like, actually combusted. Yeah, yeah. And I and I also feel like I do that. And I, I've been thinking about my, uh, the, the last ex. I avoided the shit out of that person. Especially mm. when I thought, well, I mean, also given my track record. I don't avoid. I just go internal, too. I don't really... I feel like I don't tell people how, like, that, like, yeah, I have feelings. Like, I'm crushing on you a little bit until, like, so late. Same. It's, like, same. obviously, but, right, <laughs> like, right. I don't I don't verbalize yeah. it until yeah. it's, like, it's very obvious. God, that, that hug thing, that physical thing is so funny. I remember yeah. I, I, we were at a Christmas party at... Um, were you there at that barbershop? Yes, Sons? I was. And I remember they walked in. Uh, my mm-hmm. ex walked in, and I was just like, "Hello, greetings. <laughs> How are you this evening?" Meanwhile, Wait. did not throw it back on you at that party. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You were just shaking, shaking your ass <laughs> until the cows came home, and I was just like, "Hello." And yeah. and I also this is so strange, but I feel like I have like. I feel like I turned into such a weirdo and such a creeper. Because at that party, I don't know, something something had happened between us. I don't remember. But it just, there was this period where it was awkward. And so we were at the party together. And I was watching them watch me. And but both both of the times when our eyes would connect, our eyes would meet, we would like immediately I do turn. that. When I have a crush on somebody, it's yeah. like... Yeah, I don't like to maintain eye contact. Yeah, because I'm like, I just feel like they can see it. I'm they like, they're going to see, see they're right gonna, into my soul. They're going to see yeah. the dreams that I have in my head <laughs> about our wedding, <laughs> our children. Yeah. yeah, the house that you're going to live in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How I'm going to have to get her antihistamines because she's allergic to cats. <laughs> like, every, like... I'm like, you're going to hear every psychotic yeah. <laughs> It's okay. I can fix that allergy. I can fix you. Oh. <laughs> like, uh-uh. I feel like if if they, if, yeah, it's like if they see me, if they look at me and in my eye. And they touch me. Yeah. It's just, all the just, secrets will come melt. out. Yeah, yeah. All the secrets will come out. Yeah. 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 
I really uh, feel like I turned into like a like a schoolgirl. Yeah, I have to get like a hold on um, crushes. I, I just it's just too frequent. Um, what do you mean too, too frequent? intense? I I like have crushes a lot. Yeah, and it's funny because when I was like younger, I I remember this in like seventh grade. Like, people saying, oh, like, you'll grow out of it, basically. Yeah. And I haven't. I still get, like, oh, my God, my crush, my crush, my crush. Like, very frequently. It's something I like about myself because it's fun. It is. But, um, it's, yes. It also feels, like, dangerous. Dangerous? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. I feel like I, when I was young, I was, like, not like quite like I wasn't mean like Helgo Pataki, but I feel like I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm secretly madly in like with this person, but mm. I'm like, oh, we're just gonna be friends. Yeah, and I'm just gonna secretly pine mm-hmm. for you just as long as you know, just as sure as the day is long. Wow, that I feel like yeah. that was me, yeah. and not even just um, and I. Because I, I was wondering if it was, like, related to some queer thing. I'm sure it is. But, like, even when I had crushes on dudes that were, like, my friends, I was just like, oh, I will maintain this composure in public and privately think about you all the time. <laughs> oh, I can't do that. That's so painful. I would just I would just be like, damn, I have a crush on you, so you don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> you ask me to pass you a pencil, I'm going to be like, you don't got pencils at home? Yeah, you bring your own pencil? So you turn into a I black mom? You got pencil money? <laughs> I was, yeah, I feel like, I feel like previously when I had crushes, that was my approach. It's like, you cannot exist. Um, How do y'all know if y'all have crushes? Yeah. You can tell us using the hashtag QueerWOC or just like tweet at us. Yeah. Comment on Instagram. How, do, how can you tell when you're crushing on somebody? All right. Okay. It's time for our last and most beloved segment, Curved Chronicles. Curved, 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 curved. Curved Chronicles is the segment where we talk about our dating woes and wins or your dating woes and wins as Queer Pop. So. Just... Before we get into it, you can send your Curved Chronicle to QueerWalkPOD at gmail.com. That's right. Um, Nikita, do you have any Curved Chronicles? Um, I don't know. Something is going on with the waitresses in Syracuse. Oh, they all want you. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I, they, it's like, I know people are not going to believe this, but like the same thing happened, but at a different place. A different place. In Syracuse. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. It's just, it's like a thing. The servers want to serve Nikita. They really do. Mm. What did that woman say? I was trying to order, I was just trying to order some like dip. And she was like, that's my favorite. Do you want it hot? <laughs> no. But she was just like, I wish I could like visual, like I wish I could convey to you all what she did. But she just like had her, because like she was walking past me and then she's, she saw me. I think she saw that I was ready to place my order. And she just like put her hand on her hip and cocked her head back. It was like, um, she was like taking my order. And she's like, I like that too a lot. And then she said, <laughs> and then I can't remember something else she said. And I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> I don't know. 
Huh. Maybe they put a word out in their union. I, d- I doubt they have a union. I mean, I also wonder if it's just they see that I'm gay and they're trying to get the tip. I'm like, you're going to get the tip regardless. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm a Marxist. Oh. Mm. Mm. Huh. I didn't think about she that. She was just like, she was like, yeah, I really like that one too. Yeah. 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 It was like the same thing. You like turn it on, you flirt with a person yeah. and they give you a tip. Okay. I don't think that's what it is, Nikita. I don't know. I can't. Oof, I, it's out I of think, control. I think in Syracuse, we're top two and we ain't number two. Yeah. So like. And also I think, <laughs> I, and it's funny because both times I go in, I have like my work stuff on. And so I think people think that kind of. Let me tell you something. Nikita do be looking kind of uh, tasty in them uh, <laughs> them work outfits. I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, it's Nikita. <laughs> you be like, ooh, ooh. You be like, it's just that bad. <laughs> it's Nikita. You better shoot your shot at me. <laughs> Until I'm like, the high this. Oh, Nikita. Is this a new black? God damn it, Nikita. <laughs> So I think I have a curved chronicle. What is it? Um, I feel like I'm on the like opposite end of that. It's like uh I don't get flirted with. And when I'm I feel like I have to like forcefully and aggressively flirt for somebody to register it as me flirting. Mm-hmm. Um and so and that I don't know how to explain it. It feels like I creepy to me. Cause it's it's not it's not how I want to flirt. Yeah. But I have to do something in order for it to be like no, like. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that that doesn't surprise me because you're an extrovert, and I feel like there's like that age old question is like, is this person just like social and outgoing, and or are they flirting with me? Cause I like, never knew that was an age old question. Well, I think maybe for introverts it is. Because <laughs> it's like you're just also the kind of person like I've seen you. You're just like. Talk to people, you just strike up a conversation with somebody. I would never do that. And only so, only in a rare circumstance uh-huh. would I ever just, like, I mean, talk to anybody. So you think that some people are trying to... Assess ass- whether you're being... Oh, they're like, oh, she's just friendly and nice. Versus she's trying to, you know, throw me there. Okay. I need to figure out the line then. Because I feel like if I'm talking to you about specific things, then mm-hmm. that's, that's not me being friendly and nice. If I'm okay, so I'll tell you my curve. And then okay. You, so I I have been for a long time, like well, not for a long time. It was it was just frequent, not for a long time. Um, have been like you know like DMing, messaging this girl. Um, I thought she was fine as hell from like the first minute. So I was like, okay, uh, this is obviously not platonic for me. Mm-hmm. But you know, everybody wants friends, friends, community friends. <laughs> Oh Says God. the mental health professional. Friendship, platonic intimacy, and um, yeah. So I was like, how do I like move this? I don't want it to stay like this yeah, for yeah, too yeah, long because yeah. then you just like yeah. lose the steam. Yeah. And so I was like, uh, yeah, like I love that new picture you posted. Your lips look delicious. Mm-hmm. I think that's like really, yeah, that's pretty flirty. Like, yo, like, yeah, delicious. Yeah. And she was like, "Oh, thanks, girl. It's um, Fenty, da da da, and the liner is 
this company. Yeah. Now you like now you know damn well I don't give two shits about who that who that makeup is. I from. do not give two fucks. Yeah. I love Rihanna. I yeah, do not yeah, yeah. give a good goddamn about <laughs> right. where, where where your lip color where your lip color came from. from. Yeah, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm just fine with my Maybelline Superstay. <laughs> <laughs> Something I can afford or shoplift. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, what, like, how do you, uh, and so, you know, then I got into, oh, like, is that her being like, nope, not interested? Or is it, again, like, it's not being registered that I'm flirting? And I just, it's like this weird thing that I feel like I have to be extra, extra for it to be like flirty. And that feels kind of like, uh, uh, creep creep mode yeah. to me yeah 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 um yeah i mean i feel like that's pretty like clear and explicit that, that that's flirty so that i think that that might be a curve but I, I also think that do you find that there's a difference between like in person and online yeah i hate online stuff yeah but like there's like, sure, 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 there's sure, nobody sure. here so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. um I'm not sure, like, what the different cues... It's, like, you can tell by, like, my tone, my body language, and, like, all that stuff in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have none of that via flat message. Well, I don't think it's being creep... I don't think it's being creepy. I just think it's being, like, forward. Mm-hmm. I feel like the older, you, I feel like the older we get, then, the better on that front. Like, I mean, because you say it yourself on the other end. It's, like, you want somebody to just be clear and upfront. Yeah, I don't. I feel like that seems to be the case. I would argue. I think the older that you get, it's like you just don't have time for the. I mean, fl- I think the flirting and the courting is nice, but I just yeah. also don't think that nobody people. I should say this. I wouldn't be interested in like the playing games, trying yeah, to blah, yeah. blah 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 blah. I for don't like that at all. Too long. So I yeah, I don't think you should see it as. Creepy. I think it's just like being forward, and you know the ball's in their court, and they they either go with it or they're like, okay, no thanks. Okay. And you keep it moving, but I don't. I don't think there's anything creepy about it. Hmm. It's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're, um, like a like send me a, a pic. Yeah, like, like a dude <laughs> like, sending yeah. a strap pick. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What that mouth do? You know something sick. Right. Like right. That. You're just, right. You're just being forward. Yeah. And then like you and so in that instance, and I think it's. I think there's a benefit because it's like in that instance, okay, we'll say okay, that's the curve, and you just go on and just your go business. on, yeah, 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 right, right. Instead of like you know wasting seven months of like, yeah, is yeah, this, yeah, is yeah, this, yeah, yeah, is this, no, right, no, yeah. it's just like hey, this is what it is, yeah, yeah. I think maybe also for me, like the window of figuring out, like, like it could I be um, like romantically attracted to this person is like a lot smaller than other people's windows. Like for other people, it, it just like needs to sit with them longer. And yeah. for me, I I almost like instantly know. Right. right I right, I can't right, right. like describe the difference, but yeah. it's just like this person is like meaningful, and I want to connect with them. Yeah. But I I never want to like connect with them. And and like only in very rare instances in my life has that like changed, like where it went from. Oh, I want to connect with them too. Mm, I want to connect with them. <laughs> In the <So>. biblical sense. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Um, so I think about that too, about like the being forward is like, oh, do do some women like register it as just too soon? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't believe that. Cause I feel like there's other people who like, I find it hard to believe that there aren't other people, other women who connect and desire in that same way, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. I hope so. Like, cause I think, I, yeah, I think I've heard from other people, other friends who are like, yeah, it's kind of like, wow. Like I know. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, I, I mean, I think I'm, I tend to be on the other end of that spectrum, but I think there's like other people in the past where I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. greetings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that that is a sh- strange or out of the ordinary way of connecting. Mm-hmm. It's just about a matter of like, you know, like most other things when it comes to dating other people who connect in that same way. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like, if they don't, then whatever. Like, you just keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, if I find out that you're out here just sending, like, perv messages, I'll be like, okay, we have to have a, I'm not an doing intervention. That. I'm not doing that. You really think I'm going to go from time zones to titty pics? No. Like, <laughs> I don't know. A... It's 2020. No. 20 titty. I don't know. No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no. My only sort of, like challenge for myself in 2020 hashtag reframing yeah is that i i won't do limbo in 2020 yeah that's right like that's this good. like that's so good. what is yeah 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 like yeah yeah that's fair because you know it's like you yeah. know what you want i know what i want yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. there's there's that's nothing to like apologize for to be like forgive yeah. the term but it's nothing to pussyfoot around yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, Nikita, that was our first episode of 2020. That's right. Yes. What is it? 2020. Oh, gosh. You're going to ruin it before it even has a chance to take <laughs> off. Well, do it again. 2020. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to save myself the embarrassment and just call it 2020. This is Money, the Fleetwood Mac fan. And this is Nikita. Qualified. Scaffold Builder. And you just listened to Queer Walk, the podcast. A podcast edited, produced, uh, created, and distributed by two black lesbians in Syracuse, New York. Cut it.